0: You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my theater kid friends to my favorite classic rock albums. And when we look at a concert album or a rock opera, they introduce me to their favorite musicals. Today we're talking about the Rolling Stones, Sticky Fingers. With me I have Isaiah, whoa, Romy, Hi. Paul, Aoki. Hey, okay. And Sean. I've been here the whole time. You can't prove that I haven't. Sticky Fingers is the ninth British and 11th American studio album by English rock band The Rolling Stones, released on April 23, 1971, on the newly formed Rolling Stones Records. It was produced by Jimmy Miller, and the genres are blues rock, hard rock, roots rock, and rock and roll. And from Rate Your Music, Darth Carl, dated July 28, 2011. Sticky Fingers is the toughest, tightest, best blues rock album ever released. The Rolling Stones recorded Sticky Fingers coming off their awful, glorious, and dark 1969 tour, which culminated in the blood, death, and chaos of Altamont, And the dark, satanic desperation of that just bleeds through all over this album. The sound of the soft, faraway thump of voodoo drums over darkened southern fields and the devil waiting down at the crossroads just pervades this entire album and soaks it deeply with an evil blues funk unpacked paralleled in music. This is easily the Stone's high watermark and one of the greatest albums ever recorded from back to front, first track to last. From the snarling, thudding viciousness of brown sugar and bitch, to the never-ending funky strut of can't-you-hear-me-knocking, to the drug-soaked desperation of sister morphine and dead flowers, to the final eerie beauty of Moonlight Mile, Sticky Fingers defines the word EPIC and is the deadliest weapon in the Stone's arsenal. This is the hydrogen bomb of blues rock. All right, what do we think of uh Rolling Stone's sticky fingers actually uh what do we f- how do we feel about it being the hydrogen bomb of blues rock if it's the hydrogen bomb of Blues rock, then what is the coughing baby of blues rock <laughs>
1: you read my mind. Uh... Coughing baby, that is, Blues rock isn't my scene, uh, unless it's David Bowie, which is the other atomic
0: weaponry of blues rock. I wouldn't even consider Bowie to be blues rock. You have not been listening to enough Bowie, then. Probably not. <laughs> I would probably say Clapton, anything Clapton does. Roasted. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely roasted. No, no, the doors are not a coughing it's baby. <laughs>
2: Why was that review so edgy? Because like, this is Ricky when I, when Music in 2011. Fingers,
0: <laughs> this is not a professional. This, this
2: album no, is so. drenched in the blood of Satan.
0: Uh, <laughs> <what? After laughs> I mean, this was, po- was this album
1: pre or posting the Hyde Park performance?
0: Um, I think it was post-Hyde Park, post-post-Altamont, especially. We-we neglected to talk about Altamont when we were talking about Let It Be, which, looking back, I kind of regret, because Altamont was such an important part of the Rolling Stones history, especially in 1969. I mean, if it's post- this?
1: Okay. Oh, no, it would be 1969 for Hyde Park. Never mind.
0: Did this review-
3: Predate or post-date the release of Cars Two? <laughs>
0: uh, I, I think it was just uh, it, was, it was released just a month after the Cars Two. Let's see, uh, it was July twenty-eighth. Okay. That was the review, and Cars Two came out uh, June twenty-fourth. So yeah, Cars Two was right. in the global lexicon when Darth Carl was writing his review. Darth and, Carl, and um, that's such a thing to think about. Andrew, um, what about? How come you didn't do an all music review? Because 1001 Album Club already did the all-music review, and I don't want to seem too much of a copycat like I already am. Oh.
1: There, there. It's okay.
0: <laughs> also, I checked it was 1971 that this album
1: came out in, so it does post a Park, Park, which means that the stat comparisons are apt for a variety of reasons comic book fans are probably familiar with.
4: So, like, Altam is basically, like, the tra- that one Travis Scott concert, but more just dis- more depressing.
0: Uh, yeah, so the- for those who don't know, the Rolling Stones hired the Hells Angels to, uh, be security guards at their, uh, free concert in Altamont, California. It ended not good, to say the least. Uh, there was a fight and one of the Hells Angels, uh, killed someone in the crowd, and Mick Jagger <sighs> was, like, yelling to everyone in the crowd, "'Can't we just be peaceful for once? Why does all this have to end in fighting?' It was a very, it was a very tragic scene. I'm, I'm not, I'm not taking light of the situation. Don't get me wrong. Mm. It's just fun to make fun of Mick Jagger's voice. Is that the
3: event that they referenced in Elf? There was a joke in Elf where, where they have the police officers of the New York Central Park, and they reference, like, the police officers are still under investigation for, in the security for a band.
0: I, I, I don't know, but I, that would be so funny if Elf, of all things, made a reference to Altamont. <laughs> it's like if uh, you're watching, uh, doing a retrospective of a Disney Channel show, like Good Luck like Charlie, and they mentioned the Roger Waters spitting incident. Oh my god.
4: Oh my god, I, I forgot about the Roger Waters spitting incident.
0: I
2: will never forget. Yep. He was
0: trained not to spit in the fan. He just forgot to listen. yes. That is literally me.
4: I was trained not to, like, put something over there, and I forgot
0: to listen. So, yeah, after Altamont, the Stones were not in a good situation. They have solidified themselves as the satanic overlords of rock and roll. So, how are they going to approach the 1970s? Well, this album this album is how they start the nineteen seventies. Yep. <laughs> they start off the nineteen seventies with an album that has a bulge on the cover.
1: And they've already the actors, lost their the role, their role
0: as cover. notice of, is
1: your bulge. Oh what's this? Yeah, they've already lost the role of satanic
0: rulers of rock and roll to Black Sabbath a year or earlier. Okay, yeah, that that's Real. that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> but they were st- like, they were, we're still the- bad boys like if you if you brought home a rolling stones record your mommy and daddy would instantly confiscate it because they were the bad boys
1: i mean they'd also confiscate the led zeppelin albums you have because they have messages from satan
0: and they would <sighs> confiscate the bowie records because bowie was of the lgbt community and that was a big no-no especially in the 70s and of course black sabbath <laughs> yep because, come <sighs> on, it's literally right in the name. Yeah, if you, we we could talk all day long about how much uh, the parents in the 1970s hated rock music, but you could also just watch Almost Famous and you could get a better picture of it.
2: Yeah, I have yet to see that movie.
0: It's a it's a fantabulous movie. It, for me, at least. Uh, I have no interest in uh, viewing the uh, musical adaptation that came out. Hmm. Didn't Tom Kidd do that one? I don't know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't oh, know Oh,
4: either. yeah. Oh. Yeah, there was an almost famous musical, and Jimmy Fallon was in it.
0: <laughs> uh, well, that's not why. How relevant. He was in the movie. Jimmy Fallon. He,
4: he was in the original movie.
0: Mm. Yeah. Why?
4: Yeah, uh, I guess this was before he started cutting his teeth doing musical impressions and playing classroom instruments with the Roots on The Tonight Show.
0: And before that expose came out a couple of weeks ago. Before he hit his head on the ground
3: from a race. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon, the only person Martin Short has
1: our contempt for.
3: <laughs> By the way, I found out. I'd like to correct myself. They were re- in the movie Elf. They were referencing the 1983 Simon and Garfunkel concert.
0: Uh, oh yeah, dude, that that makes more sense. Honestly, the uh, the was was there a lot of scuffles in the Simon and Garfunkel reunion concert of '83? There was,
3: was a fan that was coming to the stage and uh, Central Park police came over and roughed him up out out of there
0: oh it was uh, it was the last third member of Simon and Garfunkel <laughs> Simon Garfunkel and notes <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah that's part of the that's going in the lore
0: yes john oates is the long lost member of simon and garfunkel um we mentioned the album cover a little bit ago it was designed by a guy we talked about not too long ago that being andy warhol warhol ah yeah. andy warhol the emmy of a1
1: with bad taste ah the oh, guy,
4: yeah first he made the peelable banana cover of velvet underground and nico so, uh, With a crotch that has an actual zipper, like the vinyl sleeve had an actual
0: zipper on it. And guess what, it had to be recalled because the zipper would end up damaging the record. I remember reading about that. Yeah, and vinyl that... records in general have, like, especially
1: now, they've been getting really funky. Yeah, um, you can actually structure your album around something rather than just having it be freeform and not really coherent to a general theme or idea.
4: No, no, I mean the actual records. Um, You, you can fill it with liquids. You can put, like, uh, leaves in it. Uh, oh, yeah.
2: You can have it disintegrate when it touches water. (laughs)
4: Thurman Records, I remember they put out like they rammed so many songs onto this one LP. And you can play it, only play it at like 3 RPM.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I was I, I, that just reminded me that I think ne- one of Neil Young's original ideas for Harvest was that the album yeah. come in like biodegradable packaging. And <laughs> that when you try to take the disc out of the album, it just destroys the album because it's made out of sandpaper. <laughs> <laughs> I could see the Kale Up doing that. Yeah. I feel like the, the, the person who's done the most with like crazy vinyl stuff is, I think... Jack White, oh, isn't like, yeah. Isn't there one time
3: they made edible records? Yeah. A, <laughs> well, uh, I'm certain they put edibles
1: in records,
2: and, and that's, like, that's, that's what happened to my Weezer <laughs> blue album. I, oh, I ate that, it. I, oh
4: yeah, there was. Oh,
3: like, it, was made our,
4: made, uh, it was. my Breakbot, the band that made "Baby I'm
0: Yours." I love the idea of an edible edible record. Like I just I get uh, an album at the at like the record store. I take it out. I go. Oh my gosh, talking heads remain in light. Chomp.
2: Yeah, that was me last week. I was like, mm, you know what I'm craving? Remain in light.
0: <laughs> that's that's the secret about colored vinyls, is that they they all taste like something.
2: something. <laughs> They're flavored.
0: Yes. Uh...
2: Oh, what to devour Mupp- my Nirvana MTV what Unplugged is- record.
0: <laughs> yeah, what does the
4: Muppets Mayhem Target vinyls taste like? Does um, it taste like a Nintendo it,
0: Switch cartridge? It tastes like pot, because that's what
1: they were doing. It would probably tastes like felt, given that it's made out of Muppet flesh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what would sticky fingers taste like? Brown sugar. Mm, very nice. Oil. Yeah. Brown horses. sugar, cinnamon, pop. Wild across. horses. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We just. Or that we... dog. dog you don't like. <laughs> For every sticky fingers you buy, we will shoot five wild horses and p- cook them into the vinyl. <laughs> Oh my. <laughs>
2: that reminds me of the the one story I think Romy told on some episode I don't remember where someone put their like blood or no it was ashes into a vinyl record I think
0: oh yeah they
2: um, had their ashes <laughs> pressed into a vinyl actually, record I, I think I said it was a it
0: was a comic it was a comic. oh yes it's I,
1: it. oh wait hon it was the comic uh, well it, it, was, also, it was
4: um I was I think it was the Sergeant Pepper
0: episode it was your uh, first episode the, yeah wow yeah that yeah, actually did I happen. Let me say, um, Mark Grunewald was a yeah, comic Mark that died and
4: his ashes were put in the ink of his last
1: comic. Uh, his last comic that was in the 70s, that comic was released in the 70s, but it was one of the most beloved comics he had ever made. And people who are wrong about comics argue that it's better than Watchmen.
0: And what do they know? We barely talked about the album. Our argument is,
1: of course, sorry, sorry. You can finish
0: yeah. your argument and then I can continue the conversation. Right, uh, most famously for rock purposes is Kiss put their actual blood into an issue into the first issue of Kiss. Wow! Yeah, I think I like, think I also, Kate also mentioned that on the Sergeant Pepper's movie soundtrack episode, the bad yeah, one. I also mentioned the, I also
4: mentioned the um, Flaming Lips uh, super rare vinyl where they had blood samples of everybody that contributed to the album, put them in a bunch of vinyls.
0: It just uh no they they're they're super rare vinyls where the each member kissed the disc with the flaming hot colored lipstick. I thought you were gonna
4: the, say the they kissed me with lips. flaming hot Cheetos.
0: <laughs> yeah. They did I that. I never too. listened to a
2: flaming lips album, but I love Race for the Prize. That's a great song. Uh,
4: I
0: love Do You
1: Realize?
0: I really have to get into the Flaming Lips. I think I'm the only one here who hasn't listened to a- to a single lick of the flaming lips. Oh, flaming lips are quite good. To give me the, some more I
4: mentioned. Do you realize it was in Guardians of the Galaxy Three?
0: Yep, hmm. another uh, movie also, I haven't what, seen yet. You know, if uh, Mick Jagger were here, he'd probably say, "Why the bloody hell you're not talking about our album?" Because
2: <laughs> he, um... he doesn't so know anyways.
0: what Rock of Ages is
2: like. <laughs>
0: yeah, what uh, a crime
2: to even speak during this section of <laughs> "Can't
0: I'm going to be completely frank. Uh, I think this is a pretty, pretty, really good album, but the most dirty, dangerous, high water mark of the Rolling Stones entire career. Not so much. It's a bomb, but not a hydrogen bomb.
1: Yeah, it's, if I'm being honest, it feels a bit like what you'd expect from a Rolling Stones album if you were basing it off of what everyone has said about the Rolling Stones nowadays, which it's very easy for people to read the Rolling Stones as dad rock, as sort of the thing that old white guys listen to and have no other opinions about music and will demand you listen to this album for all time.
2: I'm, I'm t- not the biggest Stones fan, but I have listened yeah. to a lot of their, not a lot, maybe a couple of their albums, and I've liked all of them
0: that's the, the th- I think that's the that's my thing with the stones I'm not the biggest stones fan I listen to a lot mm. of their albums I like them I just don't uh, I don't see myself going back to them all the time i I mean i love yeah. I love let it bleed that's a that's a fire album but I don't see myself itching for let it bleed uh and stick fingers I would not i I disagree with Darth Carl that this is epic. <laughs> The, or the deadliest weapon in the Stones' arsenal, because I hear uh, "Exile on Main Street" is much deadlier.
2: I love "Exile on Main Street," mm. but even then, it's not like up there with any of my favorite albums. Like that's just where the Stones lie for me.
0: Yeah, I mm. from what I I am saving myself for that album because I I hear it is. I hear under the right circumstances, it can be an absolute journey. And especially if you know the circumstances of how it was recorded. I have a very oh. special ritual that I plan to take when we get to exile on Main Street, which I will hold <laughs> secret until we actually do it. But until now, we're stuck with Sticky Fingers, and it's, it's a Rolling Stones album. It's a very good Rolling Stones album, but it's, it's far from the high watermarks of bad boy rock and roll.
2: I might be spitting fire here, but this this the front-loaded levels are on par with the Joshua Tree, in my opinion, on this album.
0: I've been listening to Joshua Tree a lot in the car recently on the way to and from college, <laughs> and I wouldn't really say it's front-loaded or back-loaded.
2: There are great, like, Side two tracks on the Joshua Tree, but I don't know why they piled like the four big singles, literally the first four tracks. Yeah, so.
0: yeah, that that makes no sense. I feel like put with or without you on the, the back half, I, I don't think it makes yeah. any sense being the third song on the album. For real. I do I mean I, I do dig the side two tracks though, Red Hill Mining Town and Trip Through Wires have been in my head. Red for Those are bangers. Yeah. And though the I song... hate this song. Oh, uh, uh You Gotta Move.
2: <laughs> I <laughs> saw your rating on your notes and I was like I mean, rare Andrew L.
0: Compared to a lot of other white guys covering blues, this isn't too offensive. Mm. Country hunk better. Yeah, I
1: personally disagree with you on "Can't You Hear Me Knocking." It feels like it goes on for a bit long. Like it did not need to be seven minutes.
2: I love the jam.
0: Yeah, the it, the jam is what makes the song. the The first part where they're saying it's all cool and fine, it's kick ass and whatever, what have you. But you're not sticking around for that. You're sticking around for the jam. Mm. It's like what
2: about wild horses though.
0: Wild horses. Oh, Wild Horses
2: is on um, It's a great Beachable. song. Yeah. There's a the very- cover of it by um the Sundays, which is amazing. I think everyone should check it out. I love oh, Sundays. Oh, I love the Sundays
0: remember uh, I love when that Remember when Wild Horses was featured in uh, Bajangle's Horse Face?
4: Oh uh, yes, the everybody's favorite sad horse show. Yep.
0: Mm. I mean, who could forget Bobo the Angry Zebra? Oh, oh yes.
4: Uh, I also remember Susan Boyle doing a cover of that song. Mm. Uh it was on like her first album, I think.
0: It took me until like age 17 to listen to Wild Horses honestly because it was on the con- it was on the Hog Compilation but not like the actual Wild Horses, it was a live cover that mick did with some mm. girl her her name uh i can't grasp her name at the moment but i didn't hear like, some girls the... some
2: girls is that a rolling <laughs> stones reference
0: <laughs> no it isn't uh but it could be it could be uh but yeah wild horses is an untouchable song uh dead flowers their other country song on here is also pretty good and not really so sure what to think of oh mix, yeah mix affectation on that like Nah, i'm dead flowers Kentucky uh, Derby. Uh, I think it's, it's, another...
3: it's supposed to be a more humorous song.
0: Dead flowers <laughs> is humorous. I never I never got that. Um...
3: You're sitting in the back of your pink Chevrolet. I can't wait to send you dead flowers on your grave. <laughs>
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> that's that's more of a backhanded humor. I found a video on uh, it's on the
4: Largos Instagram. It was uh John C. Riley and Wise Blood and Beck and Blake Mills and they all performed Dead Flowers at a concert for uh animal shelters, I think.
0: If only Dave Grohl was there to do the summer breeze riff.
4: Which is a reference to another performance at Largo, and it was John C. Riley and Beck, but they had yeah. Tenacious D and, of course, Dave Grohl, Ooh. forming Summer Breeze.
0: And for the record, uh, I'm not saying that You've Gotta Move is going on my awesome mix. I just think it was okay.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's fine.
0: It's a perfectly fine cover of a blues song compared to the rest of the other blues songs that I have heard covered by white men, specifically white British men, which are not the best. Yeah. Um, mm. you know, I feel like we should we should talk about the big controversial song. Uh, you know, the one about uh, slave masters having sex with their slaves. Very uh, very touchy subject. I remember
4: when Pep- Pepsi had that in a commercial sung by some. <laughs> And Or somebody, like, a fly or something?
0: <laughs> oh my god. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's,
4: like, 1998 commercial. I found it.
0: That would never fly today. <laughs> Ooh. Oh my god. Little Richard actually covered it the year after this album was released. Wow. Which I'm, which I kind of have mixed emotions about.
4: It's so funny to have the Little Richard and have covers of Brown Sugar and Rubber Ducky in your arsenal. Yeah, Little Richard covered Rubber Ducky. Yeah. I have it on one of my CDs.
0: Yeah. and uh, I mean,
1: all, it's not the strangest cover ever. Corey Taylor once covered the SpongeBob thing. Yes!
0: The only good thing about that special. Was it, though? Was it really? The most decent thing about that special. Was it, though? Was it really? I don't know that special blows uh, uh, but anyway yeah I feel kind comfortable with Little Richard singing that song knowing what it's about but you know it's Little Richard he gets to do what he wants so why am I talking about it Yeah. and it should be worth noting that Mick Jagger has said in, in an interview that he himself would not write the song today because he would stop himself
1: but it was the 70s
0: and everyone was doing drugs yeah he was he, that- was, he was definitely not clean when writing that song
4: yeah, it's the 70s, do a lot of drugs and vote for
0: Nixon, I guess. No one was voting for... Well, actually, it was 1971, so they could have been voting for Nixon. Uh, I don't know. But anyway... They certainly were uh, voting
1: for Reagan in California.
0: I actually uh, rewrote the lyrics to Brown Sugar, so that instead of it being about slave masters having sex with their slaves, it's about the joys of brown sugar sediment Pop-Tarts. Oh, God. That's <laughs> so hot is thing.
3: cool, but what's so cool is hot? Pop-Tarts.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, I feel like maybe if I ever had a band and we covered Pop-Tarts, if we ever covered Brown Sugar, it'd be about Pop-Tarts. I don't know how those words escaped me in that, that form. we
2: covered Pop-Tarts.
0: <laughs> yes. We're gonna, we're gonna announce a song called Pop-Tarts and then just play Brown Sugar. I mean, I'm pretty
1: sure the KLF did that with a song called All You Need Is Love, which opens with the ly- song All You Need Is Love.
0: Did you know, um... <laughs> Did you know that Corey Taylor is writing a song that is a response to "All You Need Is Love," called "All I Want Is Hate." I mean, that crap <laughs> He's he said like he said in an interview uh, that he loves the Beatles, but he absolutely hates "All You Need Is Love," and that he's writing an entire response song about it. And it just that's that's the if that ain't the funniest shit ever, I don't know what is. Yeah. Also, um, I got the blues. Honestly, that is a mid-song. I don't really like that song. But we can add it to our little uh, snow clone. So, Sean, since you're new here, Decent. we have a thing where we, where every song we cover on this podcast that mentions blues, we add to this extremely uh, big run-on sentence. So far, we have stuck inside of Mobile with medicine for my melancholy Memphis LA running gun roadhouse outside woman. Blue Jean Blues Brothers variation again. The woman is pronounced because Angel Olsen wrote an entire album called My Woman. Capitalized. Uh, I,
4: also, I also occasionally put some movies I've uh, uh,
0: done on my own podcast. She really, podcast. Has, to, she really has to push me to add the movies. Uh, but uh. since we have I Got the Blues on here now, we can add it. So now that it's called I Got the Stuck Inside of Mobile with Medicine for My Melancholy, Memphis, LA, Running Gun, Roadhouse, Outside Woman, Blue Jean, Blues Brothers, Variations, again. Well, that certainly is a name. Yep. It's going to be a giant mutated monster by the end of this uh, podcast, and I can't wait.
4: Yeah, I'm going to, like, have a stroke reading it.
0: I had a stroke just reading it now, so... Well, it's a good thing I don't have to read it. It's in it's in the Lore Channel if you want to check it out and read it in your head. <laughs> Did you know that there is an alternate uh, album cover for this album released exclusively in Spain? What, what does it look like? It is, uh, like, a, a metal canister... a a soup canister and if you open it up there's a there's like a bunch of severed fingers and blood inside of it what oh my god which I guess I guess that kind of does relate more with the name sticky fingers than probably Andy Warhol's bulge but I don't know
2: what is it with the stones and ugly alternate covers
4: yeah, that cover radiates the same energy the way you described it as like that one Beatles "Yesterday and Today" album
0: cover. Oh, it's just <laughs> oh <everywhere>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you said a uh, nasty alternate album cover, Isaiah, did you talk? Ab- were you talking about the uh, the dingy bath, the dingy uh, the
2: beggar's banquet? Yeah. Cover. Yeah. Uh, so bad.
0: I honestly prefer the uh, the uh, party. R.S.V.P. invitation cover for beggar's banquet. And yeah. I don't. I don't know why the stones are like. Nah, this is the new Kavanaugh at. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Apple I, Music uh, only has the dirty bathroom, and I hate it.
0: McVeigh just met up at the dirty bathroom. Yeah. yeah. Dirty
2: bathroom in Gander. <laughs> what if we kissed
0: at the beggar's banquet bathroom? <laughs>
4: <laughs> what if we kissed at the Gander Aviation Museum next? person?
0: Uh, Sister Morphine is, uh, playing right now. I thought that was a, this was a pretty dark song. Uh, oh. especially the- the line about, you'll find me in bed with all the- the sheets stained red. How yeah, be Dan? This'll be the closest that Mick Jagger gets to being poetic and stuff.
4: Yeah, um, <laughs> random note, uh, one of my teachers produced a documentary about, um, like, drug use in town called, uh, Sister Morphine. Uh, named after the song, of course, and it was like a companion to another documentary
0: produced called "The uh, Needle and the Damage Undone." <laughs> the needle and the damage undone. The sweater song. The sweater song. <laughs> <laughs> New thing. Needle and the
4: damage undone. The the sweater. Uh.
0: The, logical
4: apartment campfire song song.
0: The needle and the damage undone is just the the blue album with Neil Young singing Matt Sharp's vocal parts. <laughs>
4: Wait till
1: I thought my teacher you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet cousin cocaine, lay a cool, cool hand on my head. Oh, come on,
0: sister morphine, better make her my bed. I do want to wrap up here, so I'll say some more things about the album. Uh, I thought uh, Bitch (laughs) was a really cool hard rocker, and I find it funny that they named the song after a word that is uttered only twice in the span of just five seconds because they're bad boys it's just it's what they do they want to they want to provoke the negative feelings in people and they they succeeded and they've also made good music i liked uh, sway especially when the orchestra hits that's cool uh moonlight mile everyone says it's like one of the stones best songs i think it'll be take a while for me to warm up to it although it does serve as a uh a look back on, for the Stones, looking looking back at their drug world past of the 60s, just constant years of hectic touring and how it's taken a toll on them, and they're just looking back on it, looking back on all those years of drugs, and by the next album we're like, let's take every single drug note to man and then great, make the greatest album ever. <laughs> But yeah, uh, yeah. Moonlight, Moonlight miles fine. The the orcus is fine. The salam is fine. It's it is not the stones at their peak. It is not the deadliest weapon in the stones arsenal. And I'm sorry, Darth Carl. This is not the hydrogen bomb of Blues Rock. <laughs>
2: That's really funny.
0: That yes, that is a sentence that has been said. Uh, um, if I had to pick a, a hydrogen bomb of Blues Rock, I would probably say, um, how about are you experienced? Sure. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like, uh, yeah, I was going to say The Doors, but that's much—that's more psychedelic than blues-influenced. Uh, Are You Experienced is, is like, it's got the blues influences, and it's just a super powerful and good album. Station to Station? That's not blues rock! No, Station to
2: Station is not blues. Oh my
0: god! <laughs> yes. uh, we can talk about this the more. The Berlin one.
2: Trilogy on Station to Station, that's the hydrogen bomb of my life.
0: <laughs>
3: one silly song where they come... How much food in the blues style like really love my food and he's doing it in a blues cover and the guy's like what are you talking about how much you love things you gotta, gotta be sad in this hmm. blues and he take, takes his popsicle away eats his like there now sing
0: <laughs> what's what was that a reference to again yeah
3: it's uh veggie tales
0: oh hmm yeah uh... I, right, but i I'll, I'll i unbelief. i do have to do definitely have to say uh low is definitely the best blues rock album of all time
2: my favorite blues rock song subterranean
0: (laughs) yep (laughs) remember when uh eric clapton came in and do that did that shredding guitar solo that blues rock guitar solo Uh um the rolling stones sticky fingers not the hydrogen bomb of blues rock probably the ub-40 of blues rock No, wait, the UB-40 is a a British... uh, Why the hell did I say UB-40? That is not uh, related to bombs or missiles at all. Uh, Like, the submarine missile of blues rock, maybe? Because a UB-40 is a British unemployment Uh, form. That later became the British reggae band. hmm. Uh, But yeah, it is at least a bomb. That is the best I can say for it. The Stones
2: are coming out with an album next month, and I have no idea why.
0: uh, Hackney Diamonds, if I... If uh, this, I think this this is going to be their last album. I'm I'm calling it. If it's not the last album, yeah. I'm going to be very upset with them. I mean, In they that, might have
1: a late career Bowie but probably not.
0: I mean, Charlie Watts is dead. Uh, I I don't really see how they can go on without him. He was like the rock of the band. Yeah,
2: I was questioning why they decided to continue touring after his death.
0: Well, they were still doing a tour, so.
2: Yeah. No. Exactly. Like I thought they would like. Okay, maybe that's too harsh to just cancel the whole tour.
0: Yeah, I. But uh, I mean, I don't know. It was like I'm sure it was Charlie's Last Wishes that the band continue touring, like continue finishing the tour without him. Yeah. Same as how a Dusty Hill both wanted a uh, Billy and Frank to continue ZZ Top after his death. Like it's a matter of integrity, and and uh, I feel like this album is integral to any uh, fan of Rolling Stones or rock and roll in general. I wouldn't exactly say it's their best album. I think- It I, could I, also be- I, I hope, I hope let it bleed in higher regard, but this is still good. And as it's pretty cool, I'm giving it an 8.8. 8. And I proudly say that I would not recommend it to a theater kid because, let's be honest, they wouldn't prefer basic blues anyways. Uh, how about you, Isaiah? Um, right.
2: I'll recommend like some select tracks to a theater kid, but definitely not the whole album.
0: Fair enough, yeah. Um, out of 10? 8.8. 8. Uh, same twinsies, yay. Yep. Uh Sean, you're you're the new guy. Uh I should have started with you because you're the new guy, but oh well. Uh how do you feel about this album as a whole?
1: Overall, probably a seven out of ten. It's not an album I listen to all the time, but still a pretty damn good album. I probably wouldn't recommend it to a theater kid because it's honestly not as musical as other songs could be. Hmm. That's some good tracks though.
4: Yeah, I give it a name as well. It's it's Rolling Stones in their, like, finest form, doing, like, this swaggery, bluesy rock.
0: Yeah, if this is the Stones at the top of their form, then Exile on Main Street would probably be the Stones at the absolute bottom of their form, and yet they still manage one of the most (laughs) classic albums in rock history. So, can't wait for that.
3: Um, I'm probably the one that has the least to say about this album, just because I'm not... Like, it's... it's good. It's... like, I really like it. Probably, like, uh, an 8 out of 10. I wouldn't recommend it to a theater kid. And that's fair enough. I'll give it an 8.
0: Yeah, I mean, we did it. We were positive on this album. Yeah, it's, uh, it's still not the hydrogen bomb of blues rock.
3: I personally prefer Fleetwood Mac. Tough title. Oh yeah,
0: Rumours is a yeah, the, great album. Oh yeah, the and and Fleetwood Mac are also a, a pretty good blues band. They're their early uh, I have not checked out all of their early like albums, but I do know they were drenched in like British blues scene. And a fun fact, one of their songs Black Magic Woman was covered by Santana on 1970's Abraxas. And barring any personal opinions I have on the man, he is a very good guitarist and the inspiration for the jam on "Can't You Hear Me Knocking."
2: I was gonna say that gave me a Santana vibes.
3: Well, I think Sean Brown Sugar" is probably in my top five now. Hmm. Top five Rolling Stone songs.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's bar- a good one. Yeah, it's the, the subject matter is very iffy, but it rocks.
2: Yeah, I'd have to say "Give Me Shelter" is my number
0: one. Oh, it's "Give Me Shelter." It, I don't trust anyone whose number one Stone song isn't "Give Me Shelter." To be honest, "Painted Black," overrated. <laughs> I like I like that song. It's probably number two.
1: "Ruby Tuesday."
0: Not a Ruby Tuesday
1: guy myself, but okay, those, uh, yeah. the Rolling Stones songs I like. Uh, "Sympathy for the Devil."
0: Oh mm. hell yeah, "Sympathy." I think Isaiah, you said that "Beggars Banquet" was your favorite Stones album, or did <laughs> yes. "Exile on Main Street" top it?
2: I have no idea. Most of the Stones albums that I've listened to, I could just say are my favorite. They're all interchangeable.
0: Yeah. Right uh, now. Yeah. I'll just except say except for um,
2: Goat's yeah. Head Soup, I I'm just it's a...
0: I just I I've heard many times about how mid Goat's Head Soup is. Like I I'm going to be honest, I do not like Angie, not one bit.
2: Angie's a good track, but they open it up. I love the opener on mm-hmm. that album. It's a banger. And then it just kind of falls flat on its face.
0: I forgot. Is the is the beginning is the beginner? Do 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 do. It's um dancing with
2: Mr. D. It might be yeah. a deep cut.
0: Hmm. Maybe it is. <clears throat> well, we won't be getting to Goat's Head Soup anytime soon on this uh, podcast. Uh, we got Beggars, mm-hmm. uh, Exile, and uh, Some Girls on the Wheel. And I'm pretty sure I did promise I my mom Eating, for for her, for her birthday that we do Tattoo You because that's one of the albums she got when she was like 11 on her birthday. So mm-hmm. something We look forward to, yay! And now it's time to spin the wheel. And Sean since you're new here. I'll fill you in. Every at the end of every episode, we spin the giant wheel of albums. And if we land on an album that could be considered a concept album or a rock opera, we have to look at a musical cast recording theater album for episode 136. Actually, I, I hope we don't land on a concept album for next week. Because uh, two weeks later is when I intend to start our Halloween month. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> As if Cage month wasn't any spooky enough. It was pretty terrible. plenty of
3: Halloween theater albums out there. Sure. A the
0: few.
2: i pictures.
1: <laughs> you reggae. Pretty sure Frankenstein is in an album tubular,
4: in bell- tubular Bells? Is Tubular Bells in there?
2: Is tubular Bells, a hell of hell.
0: A- you will find out. Actually, no. I think I think we can make it work for this one. And uh, Sean, I know this is one you've been talking to me about. Like, why the hell haven't you done this one yet? Well, guess what? We're about to do it. The next album we'll be looking at is The Who. Tommy. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Thank you.